0: Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 1 to 17 together and this story, God's really gripped my heart with this story this week and I just want to share what, what God's put on my heart from this passage of scripture tonight and the title of the message tonight is Break In Break down, break through. Break in, break down, break through. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 to 17. And it says this, So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came to get the ark of the Lord. They took it to the hillside, uh, uh, to the hillside home of Abinadab and ordained Eliezer his son to be in charge of it. The ark remained in Kiriath-Jerim for a long time. 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed like the Lord had abandoned them. Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worshipped only the Lord. Then Samuel told them, Gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, and in a great ceremony, drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that all they had sinned against the Lord. It was at Mizpah that Samuel became Israel's judge. When the Philistine rulers hewed that Israel had gathered in Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Don't stop pleading with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines, they begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel, and the Lord answered him. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to the place below beth slaughtering them all along the way. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshna. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and didn't invade Israel again for some time. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. The Israelite villages near Ekron and Gath and the Philistines are captured, were restored to Israel, along with the rest of the territory that the Philistines had taken. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites in those days. Samuel continued as Israel's judge for the rest of his life. Each year he travelled around, setting up his court, first at Bethel, then at Gilgal, then at Mizpah. He judged the people of Israel of each of these places. Then he would return to his home at Ramah, and he would hew cases there too. And Samuel built an altar to the Lord at Ramah. Here we see in this incredible story in 1 Samuel chapter 7, one of the most incredible revivals that that took place for the people of Israel, that took place amongst the people of Israel. It was one of the greatest revivals in Israel's history now the the early history of israel israel were god's chosen people they were god's chosen nation and the earliest history of of israel at the time of moses and at the time of joshua there were long periods when the people who belonged to god who were god's chosen people they would often turn away from god and begin worshiping other gods they would worship false gods instead You read about it in the Old Testament, in the books just before this one, in 1 Samuel. It it was just this up and down relationship between the people of God and God himself. And the Bible tells us there were often occasions as well when these people would try to worship God and also the false gods. They tried to have a mix of both. And during the time of the judges, there there were many political and and military crises. When the people of God turned away from God, there was crisis that would come upon them and, and God allowed these difficult moments and these, them to be defeated and overthrown many, many times. You know, Israel, they, they weren't just involved in these spiritual battles, but they were involved in physical battles as well where they were often overcome and they would often be defeated by, by many enemies. I know one of the greatest enemies for Israel were the Philistines, a group of people called the Philistines. And because of Israel's backsliding, God would allow the Philistines to come in and defeat Israel. You know, we might say tonight, looking at this, you know, and especially what we know of our God, why would a loving God allow his people to go through these difficulties? Why would a loving God allow his people to be defeated and overcome by the enemy? Well, we see time and time again in the Bible that God allows these difficulties, he allows them to be overcome. Because he knew that it was only through these, these situations, through these defeats, that the people would actually turn once again to him. God allowed these difficulties, he allowed them to be defeated because he knew it would cause his people to once again return to God, to put their trust and their faith in him. And so uh, these people are going up and down, God's people are up and down in their relationship with him. So God brings in these group of people who are known as judges, he brings in certain individuals at certain times and he brought these people in to try and stop the people of Israel from backsliding and going back and worshipping false God. He, he brings these people, he raises up these people to instruct the people to get back to God, get back to loving Him and serving Him and belonging to Him, get rid of everything else, get back to God. And here we see how God raised up Samuel. And Samuel, he was the last judge in Israel's history. He was the last judge. Now a little bit about Samuel. Samuel he was, he was a man of prayer and it's easy to understand that it's easy to get that, that Samuel is a guy of prayer if you knew his background because his mother was a prayer. His mother Hannah was somebody who prayed and called upon God. That's how, how Samuel came about God, answered Hannah's prayers. So it's no wonder that her son caught a hold of this characteristic within Hannah, that, that she was a prayer, and Samuel, he was a man of prayer. And we can read about Samuel's journey, how, how he grows in the Lord, and how God calls him to be a prophet in the first few chapters of 1 Samuel. And in the first few chapters, we see God calls him, and He's got this incredible calling on his life to be a prophet, a prophet to the people. That, you know, he would be God's mouthpiece to the people, to turn the people back to God himself. And in the first few chapters, as I said, we hear all about Samuel. We hear about his background. We hear about his life. But then it begins to take a shift within the book. And we don't hear for Samuel from Samuel for a while. And it goes back to focus on the people of Israel. In, in chapter 4, in particular, we see, once again, surprise, surprise, Israel were on a spiritual decline again they' once again turned away from God, and in this moment they turned away from God, but they were about to go into battle with the Philistines. they turned away from him, but they were about to go into battle with the Philistines, their enemy and the Bible tells us that the people of Israel they took the ark uh, they took the ark with them into battle. Now the ark was the place where god 's presence dwelt, uh, and the people they thought that if they took the ark with them into battle. If they took God's presence with them into battle, then this would guarantee victory over the Philistines. That if God's presence was with them, then they'd have victory over their enemies. However, we see this isn't true. We see in the Bible, in particular in the Old Testament, that the Lord's presence was conditional to the people repenting of their sins, of trusting in the Lord and obeying the Lord. That's when the people of God had victory was when they were in right relationship with God God would grant them victory. But when they weren't, then it didn't matter if they had God's presence. If they had the ark there, it wouldn't matter. The enemy would overcome them. And we see here, because the people of Israel, because they hadn't repented of their sin, they weren't living for the Lord. It says, the Bible tells us that they were defeated by the Philistines. And it says something even, even worse for Israel. Not only were they defeated, but it says the Philistines, their enemy, took the ark from them. They took the presence of God from the people of God. The Lord's presence left Israel. God's presence left his people. But then we read just a chapter later for us. I don't know, you know, the commentators might say it's a a bit of time between these events, but in just a few weeks, a few months, we see that the Philistines, they actually brought back the ark to Israel. And the reason they brought back the ark to Israel is because it brought no advantage to the Philistines you know for Israel God's presence would guarantee them victory God was on their side because they were God's chosen people but for, for, for the enemies of God's people the presence of God meant nothing for them It didn't bring them any advantage in their battles It didn't bring anything so they thought we don't need this we don't need this ark let's send it back over just give it back to Israel and then in chapter 6 of 1 Samuel And and verse 1 of chapter 7 that we've just read. It tells us that the ark of of God, the presence of God, it finds its way to Kiriath-Jerim. And it remains in this place for 20 years. The ark is brought back, the presence of God is brought back to this place, back to the people of God. And it stays in this place for 20 years. And this brings me to my first point tonight. the first point is break in. We see, we read this in 1 Samuel 7, verse 2. It says this The ark remained in Kiriath Jerim for a long time, 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed like the Lord had abandoned them. What happened in this moment? 20 years, the presence of God was in their in the midst. They were being given back to the people of God. But it took 20 years. For the people of God to realize their need for the presence of God again. The ark was brought back. But it remained in this place for 20 years. Without the people of God ever asking about it. Ever wondering where it might be. Ever longing for the presence of God. The presence of God remained in this place for 20 years. You know it was bad enough that Israel in the first place had lost the presence of God. That's a bad thing isn't it? I'm sure we'd all agree tonight that if the church lost the presence of God. That would be a bad thing be a pretty bad thing. But what was worse, and I believe this was worse, was not only the fact that they lost the presence of God. What was worse was when the presence of God came back, they neglected it for 20 years. And I think that was worse. It was a lot worse. The fact that God's presence was there, but nobody cared for it. Nobody longed for it. Nobody desired for God's presence. I know the reason for that, I believe, is because they got so caught up in their everyday lives. And they thought, I don't need God's presence. We don't need his presence. We don't need him, we're fine. Let's just get on with our lives. We don't need that. And day after day, the longer that they went without God's presence, that desire for God's presence grew dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, less and less and less. They lacked the desire for God's presence. You know, maybe tonight you've come here, you're a million miles away from God in your heart yes you belong to Jesus yes you surrendered your life to him you're a Christian and maybe you've come here tonight and you feel, you just know you're a million million miles away from him it's been a long long time since you've sensed his presence I know if we're all honest we all go through seasons like that we all go through it I go through it we all go through it times where it feels like God is so far away maybe you've come here tonight and you're just totally consumed with your life what's happening in your life, with your school, with school at this moment in time, with, with your career. Maybe you're concerned with your relationship or with your future or finances and material, things. all these different things. You, maybe you've just come tonight and you're just caught up with the things of this world. You're just so bombarded, you know. You don't care. You know, you're just here tonight. You, you just want to go through the motions, but you just can't wait to leave this place and get back to, to whatever it is that's first in your life. But deep down, maybe you've come here tonight and you realize... There is a gap. There is an emptiness. There is something that is missing in my life. You might be here physically tonight, but maybe your mind is a million miles away. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long, long time. You're lifting your hands. You're singing the songs. But you know there's an emptiness because you're caught up with everything else. And you actually, what you realize, you're missing God's presence. That's what you're missing in your life. Verse 2 tells us that finally... After 20 years, 20 years, that's the majority of my life, 20 years, they recognized their need for God again. You know, I believe this with all my heart that there will be one day, there'll be a day when you will realize that there is more to your life than what you're experiencing. There'll come a day, I can guarantee it, no matter if it's a year, no matter if it's 10 years, 15 years, there'll come a moment where you realize. I'm missing something in my life. There's something that's not, that's not adding up. Maybe even as you read the Bible, you see, how am I missing out on all this that's happened? You know, these guys, these men and women who once walked with God, they went through so many things. They, they experienced all these things. But yet, my life just, is just totally missing out. There's something missing within my life. Maybe you realize tonight, there's, there's got to be more to my life. There's got to be more to my life with Jesus than what I'm experiencing. There's got to be more to my life with Jesus than just turning up to church and sitting in these rows week in, week out. Surely God has a plan for me. Surely God wants to use me. Why, I, you know, why is this? Surely there's something missing within my life. I want to tell you tonight, that longing in your heart, that emptiness, that gap in your heart, that more, it's only found in Jesus. No matter what way you look about it, it doesn't matter if you step into a new ministry. It doesn't matter if you require, acquire more Bible knowledge, if you become you know, more knowledgeable in the things of God. It doesn't matter if you become a worship leader or you, you, know, you write your own songs or all these different things or you serve in all these ministries and all these different things. You can have all these things but yet you can be left in the most important thing and that is Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can fill that gap within our lives. One day you'll see that there's nothing in this world that will satisfy compared to Jesus. Maybe you've come here tonight, and as I said, you're so consumed with your life, and you're filling your life with everything, and there's just a numbness in your heart. And you feel like if I go after this, if I get this new job, then maybe I'll be satisfied. If I get these new clothes, then maybe I'll be satisfied. If I have this new house, maybe I'll get satisfied. But I want to tell you tonight, you can run, you can search, you can add all these things to your life, but you will never be satisfied because the one thing that you're missing in your life is Jesus. And one day you'll realize it. And I pray it won't be too late. I pray that that day when you realize you need Jesus won't be the day when you stand there before him. It'll be too late then to say, Jesus, it was you that I needed. Because one day we're all going to face him. We're all going to see him face to face. I know that is the truth of it tonight. That Jesus is all that we need. The Bible tells us, Jesus says, he is the way, the truth, and the life. It is him, only him, only he can satisfy. Only you can fill my deepest longings. As we sing, only you can breathe in me new life. You're looking for everything else to bring you life. You're looking for a new hobby and all these things to bring you life. You're looking for friends to bring you life. None of that will bring you true life. Only Jesus will bring you true life. Lasting life. And yes, it's not easy. Yes, it's hard sometimes. Yes, it's difficult. But only Jesus will bring you true life. Only in Jesus will you be satisfied. You know, many of you, maybe you've come here tonight and you're longing for, for a breakthrough in your life. You're longing for your situation to change, your circumstance to change. But before God brings breakthrough in your life, God's got to break into your life. And that's the first point, break in. After 20 years, Israel realized, "Ah, God, it's you we need. Where have you been, God? It's you that we need. Before we ever experience any breakthrough, God needs to break in. There needs to be an awareness and a realisation. God, it's you. I need you. Before answers to prayer, before this church is packed out, before our family members come to know Jesus, we need to get back to Jesus. God needs to break in in our lives, in my life, in your life. The people began to mourn because they realised, God, is you we need. For 20 years we missed it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend 20 years just wasting my life away. I don't want to spend another year wasting my life away. I don't want to waste another week, waste in my life away. Jesus, you're all that I need. Jesus is all that you and I need. You know, my prayer for us as a church is that we would never lose the presence of God as a church. It's sad to see where many churches are closing down, when they shut, where they get cold, where things happen within church life. I pray as a church we would never lose God's presence. I pray we would, ne- we would never lose his presence. But also, and I think this is more important than, Not that we would lose his presence, but my prayer is that, God, we would never neglect your presence. We would never take for granted your presence. And we wouldn't just expect, oh, yeah, let's come to church again. Oh, yeah, God's presence is here again. I pray we would be just in every, you know, as the song says, open up my eyes in wonder. Every time we gather together and we sense God's presence, I pray that we would be a wonder, wow, God, we're in your presence. I pray that with all my heart. You know, the first thing that we need, God, we need you to break in. We need you, God. God, we need you. The second thing that happened, God broke in and they realized again they need for God. second thing was breakdown. down. You know, during this time, the, the prophet Samuel, he was working and he was longing to see God move again amongst his nation, amongst the people. And, and after 20 years, the people, as I said, they realized they they sin, they realize their disobedience. And they call on Samuel, and they ask Samuel, Samuel, what should we do? We recognize we, re- we need God, but, but what, what are we to do? God, we need, we need God, but how are we going to get back to that place? And it says in verse 3 and 4, Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you want to return to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey Him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worship only the Lord. They went to the Samuel. They asked for his advice. And what did he say? Get rid of all those false gods. Get rid of those things and turn once again to God. Put him first in your life. I'm sure that's not the advice they wanted. I'm sure they thought, you know, maybe maybe we can offer a sacrifice. You know, we, maybe we know some farmers who can get a, a lamb for us. We can offer a sacrifice and then we'll be right with God. That wasn't the case. So I want to say, if you want to get right with God, you want to know victory, get rid of those things that are stopping God. Get rid of the sin in your life, those false gods, those idols. Get rid of that, which is taking the place of God in your life. Take place, get rid of that. He tells them to get rid of Baal and Ashtoreth. And these were common gods. At daytime, a God and a goddess at daytime. You know, once we allow God to break in our lives, once we allow Him to come into our lives, you know, it's, it's bad enough sometimes that we go, God's got to break into our lives. You know, that's a bad, it, we're not in a good position when God's got to break in. But you know, once we get to that place where God's broken into our lives, we must be prepared for God to break down everything that is not of Him. You know, we can say, God, we need you. Yeah, Jesus, I need you. Are you prepared to get rid of that thing and start praying first in your life? Are you ready to lay down that sin? Are you ready to lay down your desires and those things that come above God in your life? Because that's the first place that He's going to go. He's going to go to that, right in your heart. He What's taking hold of your heart? He doesn't want to just save us from our sin. He wants to be Lord of our life. He wants complete, complete control of our lives. He wants to be first in our lives. And that's the first place, that's the first thing that happens here. God didn't just break in. He broke down. Get rid of them. Get rid of those gods. Get rid of those idols. Get rid of those things that are taking my place. You know, it says, if you think tonight, maybe you've come here tonight and you're like, yeah, Pastor Luke, that's Old Testament. Don't worry about that now. You know, I got Jesus' blood's forgiven me. I'm cleansed. It's all right. Don't worry about that. You know, I'm okay to live, you know, how I want to live. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, it says, "Therefore." You want to run? You want to know God's will for your life? You want to know God's plan unfolding in your life? You want to be used by God? Get rid of those things that are tripping you up. You know, God comes to us and tells us to get rid of these idols, to get rid of these things, not because, these, because He just wants to be first in our lives, because He knows they're hurting us. Those things that take the place of God in our lives are not good. Whether, however we come about it, they're not good for us. They lead to death. But when Jesus is first in our lives, he leads to life. And life more abundantly, as it says in John chapter 10. And so once God's broken in, the second thing he says, I'm going to break down those things that are, have that are taken my place in your life. I want you to get rid of them. And you know, it's interesting there, in, even in the Old Testament, there in Samuel and also in Hebrews, God doesn't say, I'm going to remove them from your life, God says, You. Get, you get rid of them. You get rid of them. Bring them before the cross. Repent. Get rid of them and surrender your life afresh. Let us throw off every sin and every weight that hinders us. So often we're like, God, will you remove this from my life? Jesus paid for, the, for our sin. he done it all on the cross. But we need to make that decision. God, I'm going to remove this. I don't want this in my life. I don't want this taking the place. So I'm going to bring it before you after you'll forgive me. I'm repenting of it and I'm running to you. I'm putting you first in my life. And you know, the amazing thing is, is the time, you know, there's been so many times when I failed God. And that's just today, let alone this past week and all my life. You know, the amazing thing about our God is even when we fail, even when we sin, we serve a God of mercy when we don't deserve it. He's a God of grace when we don't deserve it, when we've done wrong. And I love how it says in 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin. God will forgive us. And maybe you've come here tonight and you think, yeah, I've messed up too much. God's never going to forgive me. You know, I want to encourage you, you will. I know it in my life. God will forgive you. He will forgive you. He's no longing to keep you on the ground and punt at you and leave you go. He's the God who comes racing after us and picks us up again. Though the righteous fall seven times, and gets him back up again. We get up again. I want to encourage you tonight. If you've wandered away from God, it's not too late. Come back. Surrender your life to him. You know, once the people had realized their need from God, once God had broken in and they broke down these altars, they got rid of these altars, finally, very quickly, And God was able to bring breakthrough into their lives. Once they put their lives right with God, God brought breakthrough. You know, the interesting thing is, is that you'd think that because they put their lives right with God, that everything was going to be plain sailing from there on out. Life was going to be great. It was going to be amazing. You know, we're going to be on fire all the time. People are going to come to know God. You know, everything's going to be great. God's going to bless me. I'm going to have a happy time. I'm going to have a great time. That wasn't the case. God came, broke in, broke down in altars. But then we read this in verse 7. When the Philistine rulers heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Imagine that. You get your life right and all of a sudden the enemy comes along. What's happening? God, I've got my life right. I've got rid of it. I'm back with you. You know, you're number one in my life. What's going on? All of a sudden, the enemy responds to this and goes to destroy Israel, goes to kill the Israelites. They go and prepare. You know, whenever we begin to get our lives right with God, whenever we repent of our sin, we must also be ready for the enemy to come. We're involved in spiritual warfare. And if you think the enemy is going to just lie down and allow you to your life to go on and God to use you in a mighty way just because you put your life right with God, forget it. He's going to come and he's going to throw everything at you. He's going to try to do everything to disrail you, to throw you off, to you bring people into your life. He'll, he'll allow circumstances to come into your life which will totally knock you out. He'll do anything he can to get you away from the will of God and serving God in your life. You know, John 10.10 10 says that, the thief, the enemy, he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, that wasn't just New Testament times. He's still doing it. I know it in my life. He, t- he comes. He comes to rob you in faith. He brings any circumstance in your life to just hinder your faith. Especially when he sees God's hand on your life. When he sees God blessing you and God doing something in your life. you can better, You, know, you better expect it for the enemy to come along and start throwing things your way. And you know, so often we can, we can give up under that pressure. You know, we think we got our lives right and then all of a sudden the enemy comes along and he attacks us. And then we feel like, oh, I'm giving up. I'm not going to go anymore. I can't fight this. You know, I want to encourage you and remind you tonight. We're on victory side. No matter what, the Satan will throw against us. If God is for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. You know, uh, and we see Israel here. They were afraid. And we can get afraid. That's okay. We can allow that to come. It comes. It's natural, isn't it? When things go wrong in our lives, when we think there's no way out of this, when the enemy is working and we think, you know, God, are you going to break in in my marriage? Are you going to help me in my job? Is this ever going to end? Is this ever going to change, God? You know, we can be sure that God is going to fight for us. But there's something that we need to do. And we can, we can either run and give up and allow the enemy to work and destroy everything that God has brought together. Or we can fight. And how did Israel fight? They were terrified. Did they go and run to the, the armory and get their swords and their shields and all these things? Did they do that? No. What did they do? Verse 8. Don't stop pleading with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines. They begged Samuel. What did they do? They turned to pray. They said, we are back with God. And we know God can fight for us. And they rem- I'm sure they remembered that how they won victories in the past when they called on the Lord. How they called on the Lord and God saved them. And they realized in this moment, yeah, the enemy's coming against me. And I could get up my shield. I can try and fight in my own strength. Or we can turn the sand on and say, keep praying. Pray. Call upon God because God, we want God to come and we want God to fight for us. And you know, if we want to experience breakthrough in our lives, we must pray. Pray brings breakthrough. You've got to allow God to break in. we have got to allow Him to break down and get rid of things in our lives. But if you want to experience breakthrough in your life, you want to know God to come through for you, you've got to be a person to pray. no roundabout way, you've got to pray. You've got to seek God's face. As a church, we've got to intercede for each other. You know, I'm sure tonight there are people here and there's things going on in your life tonight that nobody knows about, but God knows. And that's why we need to pray for each other, that God would help, that God would strengthen, that God would protect, that God would bring victory for every single one of us. We've got to pray for our loved ones. We can either let our loved ones go to a lost eternity and let Satan have his way with them, or we can get up as as the people of God and say, no, we're not going to settle for this. We're going to pray for them. We're going to believe that God's going to save them. We're going to believe that that Satan's power has been totally destroyed. That Jesus won the victory on the cross. He rose again. He's alive. He's over it all. So I'm going to believe for my loved one to get saved. I'm going to hold on to God's word for them to get saved. As a church, we need to pray for our nation. Our nation. The enemy thinks he can have his way. God, you're the head of this nation. God, you're in control. We need to pray for our nation. Do you know what's even more incredible? Not only can we pray and we we intercede for each other and we know the victory. Did you know tonight there's someone who's praying for you? There's someone who's interceding for you. And there's someone who's praying for you 24-7. Someone who's praying for you 365 days of the year. It says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is able once and forever... To save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Do you know who's praying for you tonight? Jesus. How amazing is that? He's praying for you. He's praying for me right now. He's interceding for us before the throne tonight. Before his father. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. And if you think that people have abandoned you and nobody cares, there is someone who cares. Jesus is praying for you tonight. He's praying for your circumstances. He's praying for your situation. And I want you to know tonight, he cares about you and your situation far more than you do. But not only is he praying for you, he has the power. He is able to move. He is the one who's able to, to change the situation. And you know, I'm going to, very quickly I'll just summarize. We see you as they prayed. Samuel kept praying. Verse 9 and 10. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel. Listen. And the Lord answered him. God answered him. Listen, verse 10. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. Maybe you feel like the enemy's right there. He's right there. And they arrived to attack Israel. But listen. But the Lord spoke. With a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day and the Israelites were thrown into such a confusion that the Israelites defeated them God brought breakthrough they had victory over their enemy and it goes on to say that they had victory from that day on the Philistines didn't come and attack them anymore God brought victory in their lives God brought, brought the victory in their situation I want to encourage you tonight as we come to a conclusion. Pray through to breakthrough. Don't press through. Don't press through to breakthrough. Don't try, don't struggle. I've learned even in the last couple of years that doesn't work. Pray through the breakthrough. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying until I see God answer. I'm going to turn to Him. I'm going to get my life right, and I'm going to keep praying for God to come through because my God comes through. God answered their prayers. God brought about a situation where they defeated their enemy. And do you know what happened? Revival came into that land. You might say, how did a revival come? Because the people turned to God. People turned to God again. That's what revival is. People turning to God again. Samuel he builds this memorial of victory to remember what God has done and to encourage future generations. This Ebenezer, this stone where people can remember the victory that God won for them on that day. You know, we don't have a stone I don't know if there's there's, there's a big stone in Aberdee, but that's not a place where God won a victory. We don't have those places, maybe. We don't have physical stones. But you might say, what's our memorial? What's that place? What's that thing that we can remind us of victory? There's there's two things. The cross and the empty tomb. They are our memorial. If you want to know where the victory was won, look back at Calvary. That's where it was won. Where Jesus died on the cross. Three days later. He rose again. You know sometimes I think we get so. You know I thank God for the cross. But you know we should celebrate the empty tomb. Because the tomb isn't full. Jesus isn't there. He's alive. He won the victory. That's our hope. That's our memorial. And because he lives. We will live. We also will live. So I want to encourage us. You know over the next couple of weeks. It's coming up to Christmas. And it's going to be Christmas messages. And all these things. But. I believe that for the end of this year, 2019 is coming towards the end of this year. My prayer is, God, would you break in? Break into me, God. You know, start in me. Break down, God, everything that's not of you. Get rid of it, God. I want you break, break, bring breakthrough in my life. God, break in, break down, breakthrough. Amen. Shall we pray? Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcamry.co.uk. Have a great day.